0: into the net by Kylian Mbappé Oh Benyera, beautifully done Cornet finds Dembele The first touch is good, the second is deadly Neymar still Oh my word, what a goal Got lovely finish Oh yes, delivery, Gendouzi's header And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta,
1: outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta It's playing again And goal back, Messi again This time maybe Messi's done it
2: Hello everybody and thanks for joining us once again on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. It has been a crazy wild weekend in France with no fewer than 38 goals scored, including six for Paris Saint-Germain and incredibly six for Lorient, who produced one of the performances and comebacks of the year against Saint-Étienne. We'll discuss those matches, plus wins for Rennes and Marseille, Strasbourg's draw with Lyon and we'll also hear from the Rounds coach Oscar Garcia who is rightly very pleased with himself after steering the Champagne Club to safety this season in impressive fashion. Joining me uh, today on this nice sunny morning in Paris, I have Andy Scott. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good, thank
3: you, Matt. I have recovered from uh, a few days struggling with COVID after returning from Doha for the World Cup draw. And um, I am now back in the groove of, of league 1 and, uh, and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I thought I'd get you
2: back in the commentary saddle pretty quickly. With the, you um, did two games, didn't you? The Clermont PSG yes. and another game this weekend. Yeah,
3: Strasbourg leon last night, which uh, we'll talk about a bit later. But it didn't, it, it didn't turn out to be um, what I'd hoped it would be. Let's say it like that. Okay,
2: okay, yeah. We will talk about that one. I thought I thought Angus commentated Strasbourg leon but Angus
4: Tarode is with us this morning, and he'll he'll tell me which game he commentated. How are you, Angus? I'm all right, thanks, Matt. I'm now discovering what uh, Andy feels like when he's done the uh, the late highlight shift at uh, the uh, Liga highlights. Uh, so uh, all so good. I did um, uh, the Marseille game against uh, Montpellier, and um, I also actually uh, commentated the Paris Saint Germain game as well for PSG TV. Okay, well that's
2: good. Then maybe we should start with PSG. Um, the title is uh, is heading to the capital. I think we can be. Um, what, 99.9% sure now? They were um, 12 points clear going into that game against Claremont. They were incredibly on the back of four consecutive away defeats, three in Ligue 1, I believe, and uh, one, of course, in the Champions League. Clermont, um were going into it on the back of four defeats themselves in Ligue 1. They still need points to get out of relegation trouble. Let's hear what happened um, with Andy Scott commentating.
1: BSG keep the move alive. Chance for the shot at goal, smashed into the net by Neymar. Paris Saint-Germain get the early lead. Mbappe could be in again. Mbappe right of keeper, and he gets his second of the night. Woo! PSG get their fourth. And after being uh, given a little bit of a scare by Clermont, they are running away with this game again now. Messi for Mbappé, Mbappé shot, oh he buried it, and it's a hat-trick for Kylian Mbappé. once again, Neymar and Messi involved in the build-up and uh, Kylian Mbappé with a thunderous finish. Uh, they have belatedly decided to come together and produce some sparkling football. In the final weeks of this season, the Paris Saint-Germain front three. Neymar and Messi playing their part, but Mbappe is the real star this season. Mbappe's in again here, looking to square it for Neymar for his hat-trick. 6-1. And Neymar, who's faced an awful lot of criticism recently, who's been roundly booed and jeered by the home supporters here tonight, He will very much enjoy that. Was Mbappé onside? Yes, he was. Alidou Seydoux trying to play the offside trap, raising his arm, but he couldn't get there in time. Mbappé is just too quick. And it's another assist for uh, arguably the best player in the world right now, teeing up the most expensive player in the world.
2: So uh, a festival of of goals. PSG running riot in the second half, Andy, and... um, Kylian Mbappe. I have to admit, I've only seen the highlights, but wow! Um, on the highlights, some of his finishing, uh, the the pass for Neymar. He also won the penalty for for Neymar's goal. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, with Mbappe, you're going to win, aren't you? These days.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I, I I was I was thinking about this, uh, you know, after the game, how obviously in in the context of. Paris Saint-Germain a game against Clermont is, you know, we've we've said this many times, it's not where they are judged. And ultimately their season, of course, is going to be judged on their on their Champions League failure against against Real Madrid. But they've got the consolation prize of a league title to go for. And, you know, sometimes I do think that we should, even if they're playing against limited opposition who they should be beating, we should still be allowed to enjoy um a great performance from the great players they have. And and Mbappe, you know, he's unstoppable just now. And Obviously, the, the the game last weekend he was fabulous with um, two goals and three assists. On this occasion, it was three goals, one assist, plus he won a penalty, um, and and he was just fabulous. You know, he he was applauded by the by the stadium when he when he scored the goal for his hat trick. Uh, he's just magnificent, and I think you know he's the poster boy of of all French football. Um, the, the discussions go on about whether Mbappe might stay at PSG. I mean, I think it's worth making the point that the, the last week has been quite good for them because. Um, Off the field, UEFA's announcement um, during the week on Thursday of uh, the relaxation of their financial fair play rules can only be a good thing for PSG in the sense that um, it allows them more leeway to spend money on keeping Mbappe at the club. There are um, rules now which say that you can lose up to 60 million euros over three years compared to 30 million before, but more importantly... Um, a cap on on spending on wages, which is going to come in, is not going to come in until 2025. And that means that PSG would be able to offer Mbappe a new contract without worrying too much about the financial consequences of that in the in the short to medium term. So there's hope for them in that respect. And um, you see Saturday's game and you realise just why they're so desperate to keep him. I mean, you know, he was just fabulous. And, and, and I think also in this context, by the way, Matt, it's worth talking about Neymar because um, Neymar was... Subject of a a big uh, article in L'Equipe, the very popular sports uh, daily here in France, on Saturday morning that asking the question, Is he finished? Essentially, and he gave a bit of a response again with the caveat that it's Clermont, but he was very impressive on Saturday. Three goals for him, uh, played a part in, in the other ones as well, and he looked a bit like his old self. So, you know, from that. Point of view, lots of positives for for Paris Saint Germain, and they are motoring towards getting that title wrapped up. I think between now and two weeks from now, I think they should be champions. So um, they're getting there. But Andy,
2: that that caveat is a significant one. The caveat it's, it's only Clermont. PSG have scored eleven goals in the last two games against Lorient and Clermont, and I, I don't want to pour water on you know what 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 was a good performance and a, a good weekend for them. But there is something that doesn't quite sit comfortably with me seeing Messi, Neymar and and Mbappe running riot now. Um I mean mm-hmm. Mbappe's been playing brilliantly throughout the season but um Angus I d- I, d- I don't know what you think. I mean obviously PSG fans listening will think oh here goes Matt being negative about about PSG after a 6-1 win which um which which which, which would be a fair comment but now you know now isn't the time to do it. The time to do it was against Real Madrid. The time to do it was even I would say in the first 6 months of the league on season when we were hoping for, for, for much better football from PSG?
4: Well, yes. I mean, you can certainly argue that. I mean, the start of the season was uh, ruined by a whole bout of COVID um, infections, which I rather stopped them uh, getting going. Um, Neymar is showing now what he should have been doing all along. He gets injured too often. Uh, maybe he spends too much time in Brazil, Uh, he obviously leads the social life of that club. I think there's fairly obvious. I mean, you saw that with their their trip off to the Mediterranean where they came back with COVID and that stopped a whole load of players um, being involved, uh, which maybe the start of the season wasn't so great. But let's be honest with you, they have been pretty much top of the league for the entire campaign. Uh, Ironically, I think Clermont were top after the first match day, uh, after one game, but uh, they disappeared out of European contention fairly quickly um, I agree with you, though, uh, from the point of view that it is Lorient and Clermont. They should be whipping sides like that, to be honest with you, if you have pretensions of beating the likes of Manchester City, Liverpool, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, of course, which they failed to do. But at the same time, maybe we're also seeing what this Paris Saint-Germain team are capable of when the front three actually can play together for a while. I mean, Neymar's been in great form of late. Messi might not have scored many goals, but my goodness me, he's been setting up chances for his teammates. And Neymar, of course, and Mbappe have been the main beneficiaries of that. Um, and of course, Mbappe has been absolutely fantastic. He's having his best season for both goals and assists. And he's certainly enjoying playing with Messi and Neymar when he's getting the chance. So I think that if, as Andy say, they can keep that triumphant together with these relaxed rules on a fair play then maybe next season, which always seems to be the mantra with uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they might win the Champions League.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Angus. Next week, um, it's going to be an exciting one because it's first against second. It's PSG Marseille. It's Le Classique. And yeah, still 12 points between the two teams. But um, it'll be interesting because we're going to see whether the PSG fans really get behind the players. Usually they're you know they're so... Um, so up for it where, when Marseille are in town, but in the last couple of games at the Parc des Princes, we've uh, we've seen them booing. Let's um, let's hear Angus is Angus's sorry Angus's commentary of uh, Marseille against Montpellier. That was the Sunday night game. Um, so here's what happened at the Velodrome.
4: It's nice, oh brilliant ball, and now a real chance here. Away they come, Harrit. Surely first goal. Bomba Deng, with the opener. Wonderful start. Deng, little back heel, penalty possibly. It appears not, at least not immediately. Not surprisingly, that little finger to the ear suggests that VAR will definitely be looking at that one. So then, oh, yes. Big trouble for Jordan Ferry. Lunging challenge is never a good idea to go off your feet like that, and a penalty has been given. Sengizunga then against Onlin and scores his ninth goal of the campaign. Dimitri Payet off the bench to celebrate. Jorge Sampaoli's side, double their advantage. It's a dream start for Marseille. Um, Angus,
2: the uh, hard work was done for Marseille in the, in the first half. They ran out 2-0 victors. Bombardien coming good um, at a good time. Amin Arit continuing his good form. Um, four league wins in a row for Marseille and uh, they are continuing to, to look good for that automatic Champions
4: League place. And it must have been a great pleasure for the Marseille faithful to see Steve Mondonder back in goal as well last night for the first time since November. He's only had half a dozen uh, appearances this season because of Paul Lopez coming in on loan and taking his number one position. But uh, he did a really great job starting with defence, clean sheet. To be honest with you, Montpellier didn't create an awful lot and they haven't been creating an awful lot for a little while now. Um, but nevertheless, he still had to come up with one or two saves and he was rescued by um, Teji Savanier hitting the post fairly late on. But really, Marseille were well worth their win. They're looking really great. They didn't use the wings last night, which was interesting. There was more play through the middle, which also seemed to work. So that's good because it means that they have more than one game plan to uh, to work on. Uh, as you say, Armin Harit was absolutely sensational last night. He was just ripping apart the, um, the, the midfield of uh, Montpellier. And, of course, Marseille had to deal with the fact that they lost Duje Chileta-Sar as well in the warm-up before the game, which meant that Boubacar Camera had to move from midfield into defence, and that brought Pap Gay back into midfield, which is no bad thing, and he was also sensational. Um, Camera did well. He um, basically filled in well, but uh, did an inexplicable ball into the box trying to find um, Pap Gay, I think it was, if I remember rightly. Completely missed it out. And that is what gave um, Montpellier their chance. I think, though, that um, Marseille, the big questions afterwards were in the interviews. Do you think you're in the right form to beat Paris Saint-Germain? And um, the answers coming back was yes. Yeah, why not? We are in good form. It would certainly do the fans of Marseille and a whole load of good if they were to beat Paris Saint-Germain at home at the uh, Parc des Princes. Because there's no chance of catching them up in the league. Well, it, it it it
2: should be a good game, and that that's the question I wanted to put to Andy. Obviously, if PSG's front three are are, are on fire, they'll you know I guess there will be too much for Marseille. What do you reckon, Andy? Uh, are we going to see a, a
3: competitive classic next weekend? I hope so. Um, it's funny because because I spent quite a lot of time, you know, felt like I was covering every Marseille game for a while, and they were they were kind of in rotten form. And since I've stopped uh, doing that, I believe they've won seven games on the bounce in all competitions. Um, and they are looking a lot better. Obviously, Jorge Sampaoli rested Dimitri Payet at kickoff last night, which is useful. I mean, I think they've they've got the game coming up in Greece on Thursday against Pauk, and I think that's important for Marseille because I think that although it's, you know, people say it's only the Europa Conference League, this this new third-tier competition, oh, it's, it's important. important. I mean, it's a chance yeah. for them to win yeah. a trophy, and they're 2-1 up from the first leg, and it's going to be a very, very, very heated atmosphere uh, in Greece. So that is... A big game for them to focus on first. Um, and just by the way, to 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 cut in here, but that goal that Payet scored against Pauk, if you've not seen it yet, you have to check it out because I think it is probably the best goal you will see anywhere this season. Just absolutely incredible. But I think that Marseille have um, have the momentum at the moment. Um, but you know, a trip to Paris against the PSG team, who look like they are, you know, in the mood finally, belatedly when it's too late might be a step too far for them. And, and it's, you know, obviously when PSG can really close in on winning the title, give their fans something to shout about in this difficult end to the season. Um, And given the way their front three have decided to start playing now, I expect that PSG might have too much for Marseille, but it is shaping up to be a potentially very interesting game. And, and, and one that PSG needs for the end of this season, because it's a bit of a morose uh, into the season for them. Not much to get excited about after their European disappointment. So they've got something to look forward to in that regard. And hopefully we can have something to look forward to. But, you know, Marseille won in Paris at the beginning of last season. But the uh, the situation then was very different. There was only 5,000 people in the ground. Um, I expect this occasion will be rather more like the the, the PSG Marseille games of, of previous years. And, and Marseille's record in the capital leaving that game aside has not been great going back 10 years or so now and I, th- I think they might struggle to get a result this time too. I mean PSG's home record is phenomenal this season, you know, for all that they've 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 had their problems this season uh, domestically at home they've been they've been very very good.
4: Yeah, so to to follow on from what Andy was saying uh, about uh, the uh, Europa Conference League, um Jorge Sampaoli has been uh, very um talkative about that and particularly centered around the uh, decision to bring a uh, Steve Mandonda back into uh, the uh, the the four, if you like, because he's been behind Po Lopez. And there was lots of speculation that uh, Po Lopez had been dropped because of a howler he made last week against Saint-Etienne. But uh, Jorge Sampaoli said, nope, that's not the reason why this has happened. He said it's because we have lots of games, and they do. They've had Europa Conference League and League 1 now back-to-back for a few weeks. And he said that both goalkeepers, they're both competitive, they're both pushing each other, and they both will be needed in this busy period of the season. And that's why Steve Mandanda played last night. Dimitri Payet was also rested. You saw a number of other players also rested. So the rotation policy is there for Marseille. And I would imagine that Marseille fans are probably quite pleased about this because it means they're still involved in more than one competition.
2: Yes, and Milik is uh, is going to be back on Thursday. Um, He was very nearly back at the weekend. And the reason I say that is because Robbie Thompson... Um, who's in a producer role these days, has been telling me that I talk too much about Milik. So I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to mention that name, <laughs> Arkadiusz Milik, 20 goals in all competitions this season and you know, on course to beat Drogba's record uh, for European goals in a season and probably he's going to score the winner at the Part I France. Um, Robbie will be happy. Strasbourg won, Lyon won. Um, that was another Andy Scott commentary um I'll, I'll ask you a question about that in a moment, Andy. By all accounts, uh, Strasbourg, unfortunate uh, not to win that. But just to give you a quick um, idea or a quick update on what is going on at the top, there was a, a big, big defeat for Nice, 3-0 away to Lens. Um, worrying moments for Christophe Galtier's side. We mentioned last week they're going backwards. Lens were down to 10 men early on when Idara was sent off. Um and yet, they scored the first two goals, Kalim Wendo and, uh, and Ducure. Uh, nice then had two players sent off, Lemina and then Dante, and they ended up losing 3-0. Kalim Wendo getting a, uh, a second goal there. Incredibly, Monaco are just... So, Nice are fifth. Monaco are just a point behind Nice now. Monaco, 2-1 victors over Troyes. Caio Enrique and, and Kevin Volland scoring uh, for Monaco. Um, we'll talk about Rennes in a moment. They got another win. So, basically, the top three, PSG, Marseille and Rennes. Rennes are three points um, behind Marseille. And then, Andy, you've got Strasbourg. It looked like they were going to get the victory. They were 1-0 up for for a long time uh, against Lyon, Sissoko's goal in the first half. (laughs) Um, They had chances to kill the game off. And in the end, Lyon punished them
3: with that late leveller. Yeah, they did. Um... I know that you talked a lot about Strasbourg last week uh, on on the podcast, which uh, which I enjoyed listening to. By the way, I enjoyed your uh, discussion as well about why people don't watch football anymore, which uh, which was enjoyable on on the podcast last weekend. Very philosophical. Um, but yeah, back to Strasbourg. Listen, they are um, they're nine games unbeaten now, so you know they're they're a difficult team to beat, and this is what you talked about that they are defensively very solid these days, as opposed to the team earlier in the season who were scoring goals for fun. I mean, they lost 4-3 at Bordeaux at the end of January, and then Julien Stephon clearly decided that they needed to rein in the, the free-flowing attacking football and make themselves harder to break down. And um, they were on course for a seventh clean sheet in nine games last night when they were 1-0 up in the 90th minute. And then Carl Tokoekombe scored Lyon's equaliser, which hadn't been coming. It was, a, it, it was a you know, the atmosphere at the Stade de la Mino was fabulous, Um, but the game itself was not fantastic, even though Strasbourg played with lots of intensity. There weren't many chances. It just looked like they were going to see out the win, and then they let in that goal at the end, which makes it a result which is not particularly useful for either team. I mean, Lyon are still too far off the pace in the league. Um, And if I can just come back to Lyon in a second, actually, because I think they're interesting at the moment. But in Strasbourg's, um, uh, in, 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 in their case, it was a big opportunity for them to obviously, you know, uh, close in. Well, keep the keep in touch with the teams above them in in the race for Champions League qualification, as as unlikely as that might seem for them. But also, you know, keep the keep the um, the teams below them at, at arm's length. And they failed to do that, and and Monaco in particular are now closing in. So I do wonder now if they're going to slip away and and ultimately live to regret that inability to see out the victory. Um, in terms of Lyon, if I can talk about them because obviously they've got the second leg against West Ham United coming up on Thursday in the Europa League. Um, they probably should have won in London in the first leg because West Ham played with 10 men for half that game. They dominated the match and, and they only got a 1-1 draw, which is less useful than it might have been in the past now that away goals don't count anymore. And in the game yesterday, Peter Bosch made a lot of changes. I think it was six changes altogether. Changed his entire defence. So we saw Jason Denier coming back into the starting lineup, playing alongside Damien da Silva, who doesn't play a lot of games um, the likes of Lukeba and Malogusto and Jerome Boateng and, and um, Emerson Palmieri were all rested, and it didn't it didn't have the desired effect. They didn't look particularly sharp. Lucas Paquita was very poor, and then they lost Anthony Lopez to injury. They lost usema Awar to injury, and they lost Tongi and Dombele to injury. Now it may be that none of these injuries turn out to be serious, but they've got a game coming up on Thursday which will define their season. And the danger is, this is Monday morning, we'll wait to see what happens, but the danger is they're going to go into it without any of these very important players. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to qualify for Europe via the league. I think we can say that now. And even if they get through against West Ham, it's probably going to be Barcelona, potentially anyway, in the semifinals of the Europa League. And you'd imagine, therefore, that they're not going to go all the way in that competition. So, you know, it's it's, it's, oh, it's a, lo- a lot of negative. negatives when it comes Leon to the They can beat Barcelona. They could.
2: Yeah, but, well, yeah, no... They're tenth. they tenth now. They've dropped a, another place. It, it doesn't look like they're going to get into Europe through the league. So it's you know it's Europa League or, or bust. And yes, you're right. Already knocking West Ham out is tough, and obviously Barcelona, who uh, who are now playing much much better, is really tough. I'm um, I want to move on. Just a very quick question to Andy and to Angus because I've seen all, all, lots of whinging and crying on social media about that red card in in, in, in the West Ham game when. Cresswell took Dembele out, on he's clean through. For me, it was just like a totally obvious red card. No, I mean, I, 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 am I like seeing something different, or is it just, I, I don't know that I've got my league eye glasses on. Clear penalty for, for you, Andy, or a few doubts? Uh, sorry, clear uh, red card, or have you got some doubts? Uh, no, I think it was a red
3: card. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you.
2: Because he's he, he he's, he's going through. Cresswell's pulled his arm. People are saying, oh, there was hardly contact. You're running through on goal. His control he clearly gonna have, you know, a one on one with the goalkeeper. His control was
4: good enough. Angus, yes, no? That was very card for me. I've, I didn't really see I didn't really see where the debate came from, to be quite honest with you on that. No, oh, no. Weird. Weird, weird. So okay. It
2: was just um just the English media and uh, talk <laughs> sport and maybe I yeah, I need to stop following talk sport. Um you're listening to to Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. We are going to uh, be bringing you our Deja Who competition in uh, just a few minutes, so stick with us. We've got a Teji Savanier shirt to give away. And this week, we're putting up a Dimitri Payet shirt, Marseille shirt, for for you to win. Um, we're going to talk about Rous and Rennes. They had a, a cracking game at the weekend. It, it finished... Rounds two, Ren three. Ren were actually three goals to the good two for Benjamin Bourigeaud one for Terrier. Martin Terrier has 18 league goals now, level with Ben Yedda. Uh, Mbappe is top with with 20 goals. Rounds, uh, sorry, came back into it. Um, Bussy scored. They missed a penalty. Cajus then scored a penalty, and it was a bit nervy at the end uh, for Ren. But uh, a good result for Ren. But the reason that uh, I want to talk about this game in particular. Is to focus on Oscar Garcia. We've had a few listeners asking us where Armel Tangi is, our our, our good friend Armel, um, taking time off from the podcast, but he's been out interviewing, and he he had a chat with uh, Oscar Garcia recently. Um, a really interesting guy, Oscar, not Armel. Um, he uh, Armel's quite he's interesting. Ten different clubs already. Yeah, that's harsh. <laughs> he's quite interesting. <laughs> Well, if you want to talk about careers and, you know, football, I think Oscar Garcia is more interesting. He played under Johan Cruyff at Barcelona. He he, he played with some of the greatest players in in the history of the game. Um, And he's doing well, considering, you know, you look at Rounds, pretty threadbare threadbare squad when he came in. A lot of very young players and they're sitting 13th. They've got 36 points. They're going to be safe. And uh, here's what Oscar Garcia had to say to Armel about... um, about the season as a whole and the objectives he feels that they're fulfilling.
5: We had uh, two goals. Uh, The first uh, is to keep the position in one, and the second one is to develop the young players. We are uh, proud of this because uh, now the club uh, can uh, sell uh, a lot of young players for a lot of money, so these two goals—one uh, I'm sure we we already have uh, reached. So the other one is to to keep the the team in the in the league, and we are in the right way.
2: Well, Angus, it's interesting. He's being very sort of honest there. Um, Almost brutally so by saying, you know, we just de- we you know we need to develop young players to sell them, but that is the reality of uh, of a club like Stade de Rouse. and that is how they're going to thrive. And um, they had a a bid, what was it, somewhere between thirty and forty million for Hugo Ekertiki from from Newcastle in January. Ekertiki decided to stay at Rouse. but he's not the only youngster um, doing doing really well. And you have to say Oscar Garcia has, um,
4: yeah, for me, he's done a really impressive job. Yeah, I mean, it was a a difficult job coming in to replace uh, David Guillon, who'd uh, been in there for uh, quite a long time and built his uh, reputation. Um, But he's he's really come through. And uh, you can see they like to play their football. I mean, his biggest influence was Johan Cruyff, uh, so he says. So uh, you can see the kind of um, outlook he has with regards to the way he wants to play. Um, France, of course, are not the only team in France that see their job as bringing through talent uh, rather than buying it in which is what some other clubs do. Um, but I think, no, they, they, he's done superbly well. He brings a really rounded culture, I think, as well. Too. He's, been in, he's been around, he's played in different places. He speaks a whole host of um, languages, including a smattering of German, which I must admit surprised me. Um, and I think that so he's really communicating well with his team. They're not a team that's really going to be fighting to get into the Champions League or even maybe the European Conference League, but they are a team who are solid and they have a really good following and uh, no, they're they're nice to watch. Um, They're just a little bit inconsistent. But then of course, if you don't have the biggest stars in the league, then you are going to have to rely a little bit more on hard work, togetherness and strong discipline. But yeah, that's the thing as well, Angus, they
2: are, they are solid, but as you rightly said, they, they, they play some nice football. I mean, under David Guillaume, it was it was all about the defence, and they quite often had the best defence or the second best behind PSG um, in the league. But he's got them playing um, a, a more attacking brand of football. Andy, I've, I want to bring you in, but just before you give us your thoughts on Rance, um I was going through the squad. They've got fifteen different nationalities in their squad, yeah. and they've got an amazing scouting network. They've they, they've had some terrific players. Uh, brought in from from Belgium in, in recent years. They have uh, a couple of good Belgians at the moment, Woutfes and uh, and Thomas focke at, at the back. They've even got a Scott, Fraser Hornby, a couple of Kosovans, a Serbian, Ivorian, Malian, Moroccan, Greek, a Zimbabwean. Um, I don't know how we say this, so I'll say a player from Guinea-Bissau, uh, a Guinean-Bissauian, <laughs> um, Senegal, Algeria, Swede, Dutch. And uh, Oscar Garcia, he told Armel, he speaks... Um, six languages speaks good English French Spanish Catalan a bit of German and a bit of Hebrew
3: that's quite a lot isn't it it's not bad Andy? at all yeah I mean he, he's well travelled as a coach himself isn't he because he, he was at Salzburg a few years ago uh, won a couple of league titles a couple of league and cup doubles I think at Salzburg and he worked in Israel so he will have picked up plenty of um, yeah plenty of words in, in, in the local languages on his way yeah I don't know what language they speak in, in the changing room um, probably a bit of everything Probably quite a lot of English, I would have thought, with all the Belgians and, and as you said, the Scott Fraser Horn being there as well. Um, but, yeah, they, 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 of course, the focus um, for us and, and one of the things he touched on was the young players. And Hugo Ekitike, you mentioned, who I think is really impressive. There's also Nathanael Mbuku, who's a French youth international who started at the weekend. So... Yeah, they've got some good young players, and I think they did. I think TK, by the way, did the right thing, not moving to Newcastle. Um, you know, he's another one. By the way, he he had a loan spell playing in Denmark. Hugo Ekitike, did didn't he? So he's uh, well travelled already himself. Um, I think he will benefit from staying at Rans and will probably get a, a better move when he's ready for it at some point in the future. Hopefully, he stays at Rans for at least one more year. So, um, yeah, I think you know they, they're an interesting club, and and, and Oscar Garcia is doing a fine job. Just, uh, yeah, to talk about Eketike, because
2: it is quite interesting. Just 14 league and starts this season, seven sub appearances, nine goals. He has looked incredibly impressive. And I think it was interesting. Uh, I think we've talked about that in the past. Yeah, that decision to to turn down Newcastle, because it was very much his decision saying, no, I, you know, I'm going to stay. I need to have at least a full, at least one full season uh, in 1, Uber East. Unfortunately for him, he's, he's got injured. He's got this thigh injury, he's been out for six weeks and he's had a a bit of a relapse. So uh, hopefully he'll be back um, and play in the month of May. Oscar Garcia admits Hugo Eketike may well be off in the summer. Armel asked him um, about the striker and about his development this season. Let's hear what Oscar Garcia had to say about Hugo Eketike.
5: Hugo uh, in the preseason, he was the fourth uh, striker. But uh, from the beginning we we saw his potential and also we had uh, some injury players and he had the chance to to show a little bit of uh, his potential because I think he can grow up uh, a lot. So, yeah, we are uh, really proud of uh, his development. We know that at the end of the season it will be difficult uh, for us to keep him but uh, we are here to help him to, to reach his potential.
2: Yes, I mean, interesting from Oscar Garcia. He's, you know, very um, uh, realistic about the fact that a striker like Hugo Eketike may not be around for much longer. Um, it's always, a, you know, I always have mixed feelings um because it's obviously good for Rouse if they do get 40-odd million for him. But it's sad for us to, just to have like one season of Hugo Ekitike. But um, who knows? Maybe a Marseille or a, or a Lyon or a, or a PSG will, will snap him up. We're, you're listening to, um, to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. We uh, always welcome your feedback. As you know, league1podcast at gmail.com is our email. Um, you can get in touch on Twitter as well, at league one Podcast um deja who time now um and i can tell you angus to told us this morning that he got this week's clue for the first time one of the first times so stay with us because it's obviously an easy one um but last week teji Savanye, sorry angus i'm a bit me uh teji savanier montpellier shirt up for grabs this was the clue who am i um for a player considered something of a journeyman, I've only played for five clubs over the last 18 years and one of those was a single season loan, a notoriously slow starter. I rarely impressed in my first season with a new club in Ligue 1, but paradoxically almost always left a fan favourite. A typical late bloomer, some would say I'm still getting better with age, despite being a long way from my beloved Ligue 1 for the past few years in the land of another fa- famous tricolor. In the end, I never won a league 1 title to go with my two Coupe de la Ligue crowns and a golden boot, while my chance of eternal glory in Bleu, Blanc et Rouge was denied by the width of a post. Um, Robbie has not, because Robbie sends me these, uh, these clues. Well done to everybody who got it right. Robbie's not put the winner. I think it's André-Pierre Gignac. Um, and I've just seen Robbie has sent it in the chat, APG. Andre Pierre Gignac, so I did know that one. And um, the winner of the Teji Savanier shirt, congratulations to Nofal Hafid's Oladana, who also asks, "Where is Armel Tangi?" <laughs> well, Nofal, congratulations for your Teji Savanier shirt. I'll see if I can get Armel to dedicate um, the shirt to you. Um, Armel is uh, is well, and he'll be at in sports this morning, working on the League on show. He says, "He says hi." Congratulations to you. Now. This week's Deja Vu, a Dimitri Payet shirt um, just a few days after he scored the best goal in Europe this season in the Europa Conference League. Um, Robbie Thompson's clue coming up. If you think you know the answer, send it to us, email league1podcast at gmail.com. A child prodigy, I moved to the French mainland from my hometown club at the age of 11 It marked the start of a footballing journey that spanned eight countries in four continents over nearly 20 years. I famously wore red in England, red and white in Spain, green in France and Portugal, and orange in Scotland. And I won the UEFA Champions League, although I watched the memorable final from the stands not picked in the matchday squad. I ended my career back where it all began with my hometown club the third French senior club of my career. I am one of five players from my region to have played for the France national team. There you go. There you have it. League one Podcast at gmail.com. If you think you know the answer and if you want to win a Dimitri Payet uh, Marseille shirt, I think I know it. Andy Scott, you know it as well?
3: Yeah, I, I do know, and I think the um, it's a bit of a curveball throwing in the, the team in Scotland because I mean he hardly played for the team in Scotland. I, I think probably his time in Spain might be his most significant in his career actually, but um, maybe that's open to debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think yeah, I think I know him as well, but maybe it's our it's our generation. Anyway, I, I'm I'm giving too much away. Uh, let's let's talk about relegation, guys, um, because. There were two huge matches at the bottom. Enormous matches. Bordeaux, um, what a time they are having. It's just been horrendous for Bordeaux. There's been fighting um, or certain, you know, certainly verbal spats between supporters and players. Um, there have been dismal performances. They were bottom of the league, but they're saving grace. They were playing against Mets, um, who were level with them on points. Metz took the lead through Lamquelzeh, at that point, it was looking like you know, the end, the end of an era, for Bordeaux. They were heading down, but they reacted. Ricardo Mangas, um, Nyong and Huang Huizhou all scoring. Bordeaux winning three one and climbing off the bottom. So obviously a disastrous result for Mets, but Bordeaux breathing again, and they are hot on the heels of Saint Etienne. Now, um, I had the Friday night game between Lorient. And uh, and Saint Etienne, um, let's hear what happened. Goals are plenty, excitement are plenty. Lorient versus Saint Etienne.
1: This is
0: Arnaud Norda. Norda still. Norda. Incredible scenes here in Lorient. Just seconds after the home team had a goal chalked off for offside, Le have doubled their lead. Well, he wasn't meant to start this game, Arnaud Norda. Enzo Crivelli had been named in the starting 11 but had to pull out at the last moment but Norda he's looked sharp from the beginning and this is superb good turn from Lefay. Mendes again available on the right good cross from Mendes and Koenig incredible scenes here at the Moustoir as Lorient come back from the dead before half-time. Saint-Etienne were tuning up, they were in control of this just a couple of minutes ago. But I'll tell you what, Lorient thoroughly deserved to be back in the contest. They've played with courage and they've played with skill. And Uberlong Mendez, the right-back, has just been absolute dynamite. Loriente, Le Fay. Enzo Lefay is in behind. Great chance. Lefebvre! L'Oreal's comeback is complete with a third goal. Beautifully finished off by Lefebvre. A threatening six here, L'Oreal. The cross near post. The cutback. Boisgard has done it. Six for L'Oreal. And Cotin Boisgard gets in on the act. Paul Bernardoni's face says it all. Oh, this is going to do Lorient so much good. So, 6 2 is
2: how it finished to Lorient. And um, I tell you what, I came home after commentating that game absolutely buzzing. I'd, I'd had a kind of, Andy, you mentioned we had a bit of a philosoph- philosophical chat sorry, last week about why people watch football. And I've had a bit of a philosophical week. Partly because <laughs> Arsenal have lost to Crystal Palace and Brighton, and the season has gone well. Been reading Descartes, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been reading Descartes. But um, I've also just been thinking, you know, the Champions League this week. On paper, there were some good games, but I just wasn't really feeling it. And people going on and on about the Man City Liverpool game and how, what an incredible match it's going to be. And part of me was like, well. I probably will try and watch Liverpool Man City, but I don't really care actually. And yeah, it's going to be a top level game. But anyway, you know, I'm questioning my passion and my love for the beautiful game. I've always loved football. When you work in football, when you watch football, it, you know, it can you it can saturate a bit and I'm not complaining because football, you know, for me, I am I know I'm very privileged to work on it. But I went into, somebody said to me, it may have been you, Andy, that the relegation games are often great. And um, just the whole kind of atmosphere and what happened in that game, obviously there were eight goals, there was a sending off, there were two disallowed goals, it was just completely crazy. But seeing 15,000 supporters in Lorient, just going mental, seeing Loic Ferry, the, the president, signalling you know the television for VAR every time he wanted a VAR thing, and it, it was just a lot of fun. Obviously, not if you're a Saint-Etienne supporter, but it's restored my faith in the beautiful game. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't really know what, what, what question to put to you guys. Um, but Angus, we saw, (laughs) I'll go to you. We saw Lorient lose 5-1 to PSG. They've come back and I just don't think anybody could have imagined them scoring six goals, admittedly helped by a Saint-Étienne side that imploded in, in the second half. But, you know, hats off to Lorient. It was absolutely wonderful.
4: Uh, they can't have thought they were going to do that, really. I mean, Satie Etienne are a team that themselves have been on a bit of a renaissance of late, uh, giving themselves a fighting chance of of staying up when it looked like they were long gone a little while ago. And I mean, coming off the back of the 6-1, what a great job the the coach has done there to say, right, that's Paris Saint-Germain, completely forget that ever happened. And they, they came out, and it was just a spectacularly good game. terry Moffy was the beast that we know he can be up front. A um, couple of goals for him, uh, and Ibrahim Kone as well scored his fourth and fifth league goals of the season as well, and his first brace starting a game as well. So what a great time for him to suddenly come alive up front. And Lorient, I think, they did this a little bit last season as well, though um, um, helping themselves to stay up as well with a late uh, push towards the end of the season. They seem to be slow starters, but they uh, they seem to get it right towards the end of the campaigns. Yeah, I- Ibrahim
2: Akoni has been a brilliant signing. Uh, it was only his third start. He'd scored a couple or possibly three goals after coming off the bench. So these are the first goals he scored as a starter. And I think he's helped because he's taken the pressure off Moffi a bit because Moffi and Armand Loriente scored a lot of goals last season. They've struggled uh, to score this season. Um, Andy, I don't know if you've seen the goals. Um, for me, the Armand Loriente pass to Enzo Lefeuille, and Lefei scoring to make it 3-2. I mean, that was just one of the, the champagne moments, if you like, <laughs> of the, uh, the league 1 season for me. Just sensational. And to see Enzo Le Fay, um, you know, Lefei means fairy. And, you know, he was gliding <laughs> between, between challenges. He is elegant. He's, he, he's very gifted. Um, and he's homegrown. And the, the Lorient fans love him. And, yeah, what a moment. The pass as well from Lorient. Just majestic.
3: Fantastic, yeah, and and I think the wider the wider point here is that they they get that unlikely big victory, which makes a massive difference to their goal difference because obviously, um, it's it's boosted theirs, it's damaged Saint Etienne's. At the same time, Clermont's goal difference took a big uh, a big hit at the weekend, so it's a real boost for them in terms of staying up. They're now four points above above Saint Etienne, who are in the relegation playoff place. I'm just looking ahead a little bit. Um, But this has been a a good weekend because we had the bottom two playing each other, and then we had Lorient playing Saint Etienne as well. Um, There's a midweek round coming up. I know we're going to talk about next week's games, um, but after that, there's a midweek round coming up, and in that midweek round, I think I'm right in saying that Lorient play Mess, so they can move even further away from a team at the bottom. And Bordeaux play Saint Etienne, which is going to be huge. Now, in recent years, Bordeaux v Saint Etienne, it's always a big game in France because they're two famous clubs, but usually they've not been very good. Now they're so bad that it's going to be a fascinating game because, um, after these results at the weekend, obviously, there's renewed hope for Bordeaux and Saint Etienne. I know that Angus said that they found a bit of form, but actually, they did find a bit of form, they've lost that form again, and suddenly they're looking now like they're going to really struggle to to get out of their current plight. And that match, Aaron, yeah, that match trouble. in Bordeaux could be big really trouble. interesting because, um, you know, I think. I've thought for a long time that at least one of those two giants of the French game are probably going to finish in the bottom three, um, and you know it could come down to that game in Bordeaux a week on Wednesday. You can tell
2: when a club is suffering um, because this sort of story comes out. Another story we had last week about Maddie Camera, um, who is the captain of Saint Etienne, um, and just to try to tell the story as briefly and succinctly as I can uh, before bringing you in, Angus. Um, so the, the Saint-Étienne-Marseille game the previous weekend, apparently Maddie Camera's family was in the stand, um, had been invited, and the home supporters were being very, very critical of the Saint-Étienne players who lost that game 4-2. And Maddie Camera in particular was getting a bit of a, a hard time. And his family, I think Maddie Camera's brother, got upset, and there was a bit of a... Um, An altercation in the stands, let's say. Um, Maddy Camera understood or thought that it was Marseille fans who were fighting with his family and he didn't sort of think too much of it. Obviously an unsavory incident. He then found out that apparently they weren't Marseille fans. They were Saint-Étienne fans. And he then found out that one of the guys involved, allegedly, was a Saint-Étienne youth team player. So on Monday, he went into the youth team dressing room and sought out this this player and um, had... physical altercation with him and maddie camera has been sidelined has been sanctioned uh by the club he may well come back into the fold but he was left out at the weekend and uh yeah you 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 see you know there are there are worrying signs obviously if you ship six goals at Lorient that's a worrying sign but if your captain has got issues like that you look at somebody you know another thing that happened in the second half Ivan Neu came on first game i think for four months after injury And it it was one of the most stupid things I've seen on a football pitch. He got booked and then literally 30 seconds later clattered into a a Lorient player and got sent off. Almost like he didn't want to be out there. Um, So all that's really worrying. Angus, I don't know if you wanted to add
4: more to the the Saint-Étienne talk. Well, Nehu there, he's um, the fastest sub to be uh, sent off uh, for um, Saint-Étienne since uh, Opta started um, collating data on this. So... Yeah, it was it, it was ridiculous. It's uh, I mean, when your team is suffering, the last thing you need is stupidity from one of your players. You need all eleven players on the pitch, and certainly Saint Etienne do, um, because they are still not really out of it. They're inconsistent. They are not a team that can afford to make too many mistakes. They need um, almost perfect form to come through. They're only they're one point below um, Clermont after their sixteenth defeat of the season. Only Clermont have lost more times than them. And Bordeaux, I think, were the big winners of the weekend. I mean, it was a great game. (laughs) I wasn't expecting um, Bordeaux against Mets to be quite so entertaining. Um, And Bordeaux really looked good. And now, you were saying earlier that they're only one point behind Saint-Etienne. They're only two now behind safety of 17th place. I mean, that's less than one win now. So the bottom of the table scrap. Mets have gone. No team that's had the same number of points as them after this many games has ever escaped um, out of the 36 that have been there. So I think we can forget about Mets now. But I think that the scrap for the rest of the places is going to be hot all the way through to the end.
2: Thank you, Angus. Uh, Thank you, Andy. The results we haven't mentioned this weekend. Angers won, Lille won. So Lille, having found some form, they're they're, they're dropping points. Draws with Bordeaux and uh, Angers in their last two games. Brest won, Nantes won. Those two... Looking a bit a bit mid table ish, nonce European hopes it seems now resting on the uh, the cup final coming up against uh, Nice, and um, and that is it. I think we've mentioned, I think we've discussed all ten matches now. So we're going to look ahead to uh, to round thirty two. We're going to go on a bon voyage and decide which uh, which game, which town we'd like to visit, and which game we'd like to see. There are some big ones next weekend. Ren against Monaco Friday night. That is. Uh, Really huge with Monaco up to sixth and very much in contention again for, for European qualification. We've got Lille against Lens. It's one of those weekends where they just throw up all these big matches um, on the same weekend. Lille against Lens, the uh, Derby du Nord, that is huge. Um, Lyon-Bordeaux is obviously uh, a big one. Traditional heavyweights going head-to-head. Mets against Clermont, a uh, big relegation game. And a little uh, a little matter of PSG versus Marseille on the Sunday night. Let's go on a bon voyage.
3: Andy Scott, what do you fancy next weekend? I'm, I'm just looking at the fixtures and, and I'm I'm thinking that if you're really up for it, you could actually do a game every day, couldn't you? Because I think Ren Monaco on Friday is going to be uh, a, a fabulous game because it's really important for, for Monaco as well coming back into the contention for European qualification. I think the derby in, in Lille on Saturday is going to be fantastic because, again, um, Lille really need the result in terms of snatching a place in Europe. And, and of course, there's a real rivalry there between these two clubs, of course, and and, and a trip to the the far north is always fun. And then the Classic on Sunday between PSG and Marseille, um, from where I am, it takes me about the same length of time to get to Lille, actually, as it does to get to the Parc des Princes going across uh, across Paris. So, yeah, I might try and do both. I think Lille on Saturday, stay the night up there and then, and then come back down for the Classic on Sunday if, if you'll permit me, Matt. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed <laughs> as long
2: as, you know, I don't want you overdoing it after your COVID, but see, see, see how you feel maybe. Um, another derby I didn't, I didn't mention, Nantes against Angers is actually, um, it's a big derby for Angers in particular, I think, because Nantes probably, their their big game would be against Rennes um, or potentially against Bordeaux, but but that is a derby, Nantes-Angers. Um that's on Sunday afternoon. Angus, where would you fancy going?
4: Well, I'll, I'll, li- I'll leave you the obvious one, shall I? And um, I, I must admit, I really did fancy the, uh, the, the Northern Derby because it'd be the third time they've seen each other this season as well. And Lance have come out on top in both of those uh, uh, competitions, uh, winning in the league and then knocking them out on penalties in the Coupe de France. Uh, so that would be fascinating. But assuming that uh, Andy's now going on a bit of a journey, um, I quite fancy going to see the Monaco game. I think that I quite agree with you. I think Monaco are now suddenly rediscovering their mojo a little bit late, but uh, they're coming back. It may not be enough to get them into Europe, but I've always liked the way they play. Uh, I think that uh, they're making a good comeback after the exit of Nico Kovac, and I think that uh, they're worth watching again. And also, of course, it's a, okay. a big match against Wren. So I mean, Wren uh, are also fantastic yeah. to watch. Well, Bruno Genesio is doing a great job with them. So it's a game that uh, has delivered some good football in their recent. Um, clashes so
2: that will do me okay well I'm I'm going to go for the obvious one then um Nice against Lorient um <laughs> which is a one o'clock uh game on Sunday afternoon a nice weekend for me uh Easter weekend down on the Côte d'Azur we've got a bank holiday on Monday so um, I might get a bit of um, beach time in on 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 the Monday um and quite simply I want to see this for Two reasons. One, because Nice are now five points off Champions League qualification. The pressure is on Christophe Galtier. You know, he's been the flavour of the month for for quite some time in France, but he's got to react now. Nice have got to react. But the main reason I'm going is because Lorient have restored my love and my faith in football, and I love Lorient, and I'm going to go and see if they can score loads more goals against the the best defence in France. So there we have it. Plenty of exciting games to look forward to. That concludes the podcast for this week. We will be back next week. We've got a really big week, actually, because there's a midweek round um, in uh, Ligue on the following Wednesday. So do do stay with us from uh, from Andy Scott and from Angus Taro and me, Matt Spiro. It's to say goodbye.
0: Have a great week. We'll be back soon. Ciao, ciao. It's playing again. Messi again.
5: This time maybe Messi's done it.